Hello, and let me welcome you to Sundays at Coastal. Jesus commanded his disciples to go out and make believers of every nation. That can seem like such a big command. How can we reach every nation? Jesus was given all authority in heaven and earth, and this includes every aspect of our lives. When we allow Jesus to reign in every aspect of our lives, we will shine as a light to those around us. When we invite him into our lives, we join him in bringing the good news of his liberating rule to the world. Oh, hey, uh, my granddaughter Adelina turns four today. I just had to share that with you. Yeah. So uh, we believe because Jesus, our crucified and risen King, is now Lord, that we have hope beyond our brokenness. Amen? Amen. Because the grave was empty, because of the first Easter, there is hope beyond our brokenness and all the brokenness that I cause others to. Can you say thank God for that? Because the tomb was empty, we have someone we can trust, our risen Savior. You can put the full weight of your life on him. He is trustworthy. And because the, the tomb was empty, we now have a mission in this world. We get to join this risen Jesus who is on the move in all the most unlikely places we've been learning from the Gospel of Luke. He's always going to the outsider, to the broken, to the marginal. And he takes us with him. He, he helps us see what he sees and love the way he loves. Aren't those words beautiful? And so that's part of the restoration. And the, 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 the risen Jesus sets us free to make new choices and to become followers in all of life of Jesus. And so would you say this with me? This is what we believe a disciple is. I choose to be a disciple of Jesus today. A disciple is one who walks intentionally with God. Therefore, I choose, I choose to seek Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus. In Don't try to do this alone. It, we were never meant to travel this journey with Jesus alone. Amen? We're called into community, and community can be messy, but that's the way Jesus does this. And so we have a pathway. Uh, we call it the coastal, there it is, discipleship pathway. And there are on-ramps if you're new to our church or even new to the journey of faith, or you're just exploring. We have Alpha, we have Coastal Core, which begins a week from Tuesday. We have worship nights and prayer retreats, or like on-ramps to kind of find out where you're at in that journey. And then we do life together in our tabletop groups, in our DNA groups, and in our outreach teams. And this Thursday, some 25 people are going to be going down to Guadalupe to host a Dia de los Niños celebration. Is that cool? Providing food for fam migrant families, toys and gifts for kids, and, and, and even a barbecue. So we're very, very excited. That's one of our outreach teams. Uh, you'll see several others. So if you go online, mycoastal.org, you can find your place on that journey. But don't try to do it alone. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. 
King Jesus, you are welcome in this place. You've been here through the, the way, just feeling the weight and the, the joy of the words of the songs uh, behind me has just lifted my heart this morning. I thank you that you give us a chance to do worship in community. We need each other's voices. And we pray that we would together hear your voice now. You're welcome here, King Jesus. Please edit out Paul Dugan's words from your words right now, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen to that. Matthew 28, verse 1. Dawn was breaking on the first day of the week. The Sabbath was over. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary had come to look at the tomb. When suddenly there was a great earthquake, sound effects, an angel of the Lord came down from heaven. He came to the stone and rolled it away. Sat down on top of it. Looking at him was like looking at lightning. These are not little puffy cherubs. These are angelic warriors, okay? And his clothes were white like snow. The guards trembled with terror at him and became like corpses themselves. You need to be the angel now. Don't, said the angel to the woman, you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He's been raised. As he said he would be, come and see the place where he was lying. And then go at once and tell his disciples that he's been raised from the dead and that he's going on ahead of you to Galilee. That's where you will see him. There, I've told you. I like that. The women scurried off quickly from the tomb in a mixture of terror and delight. How's that for a mashup of emotions? And went to tell his disciples. Suddenly there was Jesus himself. He met them and said, They came up to him and took hold of his feet, prostrating themselves in front of him. Have you heard that before? <laughs> said Jesus to them, oh, And tell my brothers they should go to Galilee. Tell them they'll see me there. Friends, if you're older than 60, you likely remember where you were when JFK was assassinated. I, I, I can see it like it was yesterday. I was five years old, playing with my toys, watching a black and white news report, and my mom was crying. If you're older than 25, you remember exactly where you were when you first saw the planes crash into the Twin Towers. I was in a staff meeting, and we were watching it. It was a Tuesday, I believe. And I remember our youth pastor said, our world is never going to be the same. And that's what these women said, our world is never going to be the same. After their encounter at the tomb of Jesus, they had just experienced an event never, ever experienced in human history. Are you with me? No wonder Luke says they responded with a mixture of terror and delight. 
See, I'm going to be quoting a lot from N.T. Wright this morning. He's the author of the masterpiece Andy referred to last Sunday, The Resurrection of the Son of God. You can read it this week. It's only 900 pages. <laughs> but on this passage, Wright declares, this is something that had not only changed the women's hearts, but had torn a hole in human history. This event had changed the world forever. It announced that God's kingdom had come, that the Son of Man had been vindicated after his suffering, and there was dawning not just another day or another week in the history of Israel and the world, but the start of God's new age to come that would continue until the nations have been brought into obedience to the Son of God. The, the world will never be the same. But not everyone appreciated this news. While the women were on their way, some of the soldiers who had been on guard went into the city and told the chief priests everything that had happened. They, had, they called an emergency meeting with the elders, allotted a substantial sum of money, and gave it to the soldiers. Would you be the chief priest, this, they told him, is what you are to say. His disciples came in the night while we were asleep and stole him away. And if this gets reported to the governor, we'll explain it to him and make sure... Right, you fall asleep like, and the governor's not... Okay. They took the money and did as they had been instructed, and this story goes the rounds among the Jews to this day. Friends, fake news is not new. <laughs> Why are the chief priests so desperate to preemptively quash any report of a risen Savior, Jesus? So desperate to bribe the soldiers to tell a false narrative. And why have people attempted to ignore or discredit the resurrection of Jesus for 2,000 years? You know what I think? To preserve our own status quo. Tom Wright says, denying the resurrection leaves everybody's worldview intact. The Jews would continue as they had done. The Romans could go on running the world their way. Philosophers could still debate their lofty doctrines. Nobody would need to make any radical readjustments. The resurrection is threatening to my kingdom. But if it's true, and he writes, says, the God who made the world and who called Israel to be the bearer of his rescue operation was at work in and through Jesus to remake the world. The resurrection was the dramatic launching of this remake project. Friends, Easter is the day new creation begins. Last week in Table Talk, after the Easter Sunday sermon, we asked that wonderful question, if you live this week as if the resurrection of Jesus was true, what would be different in your life? I love those questions. And after a long silence, some of us said, well, we would not sweat the small stuff. <laughs> we, 
we wouldn't be so anxious. We would respond to difficult people differently. We would live more boldly for God. We would abandon our addictions. We would have hope. If we lived as if the resurrection was a reality, it would make a difference in our lives. Amen? Amen. Back to our story. So the 11 disciples went off to Galilee, to the mountain. A lot of great things happen on mountains. Where Jesus had instructed them to go, there they saw him and worshipped him, though some hesitated. Jesus came towards them and addressed them. Can you say it with me? All authority in heaven and on earth, he said, has been given to me. So you must go and make all the nations into disciples. Baptize them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe everything I have commanded you. And look, I am with you every single day to the end of the age. And now our risen Savior invites us, actually summons us, right here in the five cities in 2022 to join him in his resurrection work. Because he is still risen. And he still has this mission to remake his creation. So our focus this morning is on the great commission of Jesus. It begins with this amazing declaration. Friends, everything, you know, context is everything in understanding the Bible. We can do so many bad things by reading the Bible out of context. Notice the context of the Great Commission. It's this announcement. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's a rather bold statement. In his life, Jesus Christ has brought heaven to earth. In his death, he took into himself all the world's evil, sin, injustice, and darkness, but he did not remain in the grave. The Father raised Jesus from the dead and exalted him above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and vindicated his Son before all the nations. Wherever Jesus is exalted, healing reigns, forgiveness reigns, Deliverance reigns, reconciliation reigns, and justice reigns. Amen? Amen. This has been true in my own life to this very moment. When I surrender more of my life to his reign, I become more and more free to love God and more and more free to love others. Because under his reign, we are free to love. Wherever Jesus rules, creation is literally being recreated. Every square inch of it. If this is true, everything in your life matters. There's no division between the sacred and the secular compartments. It's all holy ground. Amen? As a disciple of Jesus, I get to invite King Jesus into all of my life. My whole life is in this plastic bag. Let me just describe it. You've probably seen these things before. (laughs) I get to invite King Jesus into my schedule. 
I get to, in here are my, my relationships. I get to invite King Jesus into my family, my relationships, my leisure, my interests, and my distractions. Jesus, come into my distractions. I also have in this little bag a credit card. It's my Visa card. I say, Jesus, I get to invite you into my finances. Amen? Amen. Into how I use the stuff that you've given me. And I also have some keys here. Uh, King Jesus, I invite you into my work. That's my work key. Um, I invite you into my house, my possessions, my home, my stuff, my car. Please help it to keep working. <laughs> Lord King Jesus, I invite. I, I have my health card. My. I invite you into my health, King Jesus. I invite you to be the center of how I take care of this body. Thank you that it matters to you. And I pray for all those who don't have these cards, who don't have health insurance. Lord, have mercy. Help us to be generous with them. Amen? Amen. I've got my Ralph's card. (laughs) King Jesus, I invite you into how I take care of my body, what I feed myself with. And King Jesus, this is the toughest one, I invite you into my, my, these are my, this is my AirPods. <laughs> I invite you into everything I listen to. Amen. Into my diet of podcasts. I invite you, King Jesus, into all of it. You are welcome here. Amen? Amen. My life is really transparent before him, is it? (laughs) And it's really, really liberating when I bring it all before my liberating Lord. Everything starts to be integrated and healed. But when I try to hold something apart. It's kind of like this. So last week I got to worship with Pastor Mario and Divino Salvador because they were celebrating their 20th year on the the five cities. Divino Salvador is our partner church, Spanish-speaking church. By the way, they didn't speak a word of English in the whole service, and I understood about 23%. But a part of the celebration was a baptism where like about seven of their new followers of Jesus were baptized, and they used the dunk tank at, at uh, Grace Bible Church and one of the new brothers was a rather large brother, and Mario's about this tall, and he's about this tall, and they were trying to get him down into the dunk tank, and they needed two guys to kind of... <laughs> I was afraid it was going to displace water all over, but um, I, I do the same thing. You know, I, I hold different parts of my life above the water. I say, I want you to, you know... I want you to be a part of all this, but I'm going to hold this. I'm not going to let you baptize that part of my life. And that's where 
our lives get fragmented, is when we try to hold on to something above the water. Can anybody relate to this? Okay. It's so liberating to say, Lord, I bring it all under your grace and truth. So back to the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 16. So the 11 disciples went off to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had instructed them to go. There they saw him and worshipped him, though some hesitated. Jesus came towards them and addressed them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So you must go and make the nations into disciples. And look, I am with you every single day to the very end of the age. And notice the you. It's a y'all, folks. It's a you plural. Can't always see that in the, Greek, in the English, but in the Greek, it's, it's a y'all. It's, Jesus entrusts his mission on earth to his whole church across history and around the globe. That includes y'all in this room. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're part of the y'all. Yeah. My first response when you say that to me is, no, not me. I'm not qualified for this. You know me, Lord. You know I'm just a bundle of contradictions, of fears and failures and doubts and distractions. What amazes me is that Jesus has entrusted this epic mission with flawed folks from the very beginning. Look at the original 11 for a moment that are literally gathered at the mountain with Jesus, some of whom hesitated even after seeing the risen Lord. This is a seriously defective band of followers. (laughs) Can I give you three case studies? Simon the Zealot is an ex-terrorist. Matthew is an ex-tax collector. This is like beyond blue state and beyond red state in the same small group. Jesus calls them together, political enemies. And then there's Simon Peter, a man of huge boasts and even huger failures. If you were to chart the ups and downs of Simon Peter's spiritual journey, (laughs) it would look like a Richter scale. And mine would too. If anyone could be disqualified from the mission of Jesus due to pre-existing conditions, (laughs) Simon would be one. Tom Wright again says this, Jesus' claim when he says all authority has been given to me, is not that the world is already completely as Jesus intends it to be. The claim is that he's working to take it from where it was under the rule not only of death but corruption, greed, and every kind of wickedness and bring it by slow means and quick under the rule of his life-giving love. And how is he doing this? Here's the shock. Through us. His followers, like, Lord, you got to have a plan B. (laughs) This project only goes forward insofar as Jesus' agents, that's y'all, the people he has commissioned are taking it forward. And so Jesus, back to the Great Commission, he gives us everything we need to accomplish his mission. Listen, 
we spent much of the past year in the gospel of what? Here we have a manual of how Jesus made disciples. We don't have to invent it or come up with a program or techniques. We make disciples the way Jesus makes disciples. Amen? The Gospels provide a comprehensive story and model for our training as disciple makers. Let's look at a few, four aspects of Jesus' style disciple making. Hopefully we'll get out of here on time. First is going. Jesus began by calling his flawed followers to a big, epic, world-changing movement. Go back three years when he first met Peter. Follow me and I'll make you. Like his original call was a missional call. Jesus was on the move. He did not play small. They immediately saw him announcing and revealing the Father's kingdom in acts of healing, deliverance, welcoming the outsider, and challenging all other rival kingdoms. These first followers of Jesus were surprised to see Jesus constantly crossing cultural and ethnic barriers to extend the blessings of the kingdom. We've seen that throughout Luke. The whole church gets to do the same thing, to go. And then baptizing, Jesus incorporated his followers into a new spiritual community. Discipleship is a quality of life that can only mature as we're immersed in real local communities living under our risen Savior. And it's this quality of community that sustains and validates our mission in the world they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. The community validates the mission. Are you guys with me? What kind of mission will we have if our community didn't validate it? Cynicism, right? Baptism is a powerful sign and seal of our being incorporated and welcomed into the very community of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and into the community of Jesus, his church. Friends, you're never meant to do this alone. That's why we invite you onto this pathway with us. And then finally, apprenticing. He said, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded y'all. Notice he did not say teaching them to know everything that I've taught you to know. You see, Jesus-style teaching was more of an apprenticeship than a classroom. It was like the Cal Poly motto, learn by doing. Consider the gospel stories. Je Jesus began his apprenticeship by showing his disciples the ways and the work of the kingdom. Then he invited them to par partner with him. Example was when he had them distribute the loaves and the fishes. And then he sends them out on short assignments to announce the kingdom, heal the sick, free the oppressed, and then to huddle and report back. I wish I could have been a fly on those debriefing sessions, you know. Dude, Jesus, the demons even submitted. You know, it was in these debriefings that much of the spiritual formation happened. It's the go in the debrief was how. Several years ago, as a part of a sabbatical project, I enrolled in a jazz harmony class at our local community college in Ventura. I was especially interested because it was taught by Leslie Drayton, 
one of the original members of Earth, Wind, and Fire. So I showed up for the first class, and it's me, an old dude, and about 10 wannabe jazz cats. I was nearly old enough to be their dad. When Leslie found out I was a pastor, he called me the Rev. <laughs> On week two, Leslie threw us a curve. He said, quote, next week, bring your horn, unquote. I thought this was a theory class. <laughs> Nothing in the syllabus talked about actually having to perform. I hadn't played for years. So that week, I dusted off my horn, tried to get my chops back. Leslie's approach in the class then on was to lay out a jazz progression on the keyboard without stopping live and then point to a class member and say, Rev, you're up. Next 12 bars. We had to improvise on the spot before the class. Have you heard of the movie Whiplash? It was like that. But most of us, well, only the guys came back. The women all quit. Uh, that's not a statement, it's just, it was wise. <laughs> but the rest of us jazz cats and the Rev stuck around because we knew Leslie knew his stuff, and deep down he really cared about us somewhere in there and wanted us to improve. Friends, that statement, I didn't know we had to bring our horn we want people to feel that when they do Bible study here at Coastal. <laughs> you see in the Hebrew, the words listen and, and obey are the same word. Shema means obey and listen. Sadly, the Western Enlightenment drove a wedge between the two, proposing that if we just get enough of the right information in our heads, we will become virtuous people. Over the last 200 years, how's that work for us? <laughs> Jesus counters with a radical declaration. It's so unenlightenment. Those who obey me will know me. We don't understand in order to obey. We obey in order to understand in the way of Jesus. And I believe the only parts of the Bible that we really know are the parts we've prayed and obeyed. Jesus-style discipleship is more an apprenticeship than a classroom. That's why we ask that question in our Bible studies. If this is true, what difference does it make in your life this week? We seek to help one another bridge the gap between the knowing and the doing. The last of the models of Jesus-style discipling is abiding. The Great Commission in verse 20 ends with the great promise. How's that? And surely I am with y'all to the very end of the age. Jesus modeled this radical dependence on the Father. He, he said, I can only do what I see the Father doing. The mission of Jesus, friends, flows out of his intimacy with the Father. Amen? And so it is with us. Our mission flows out of our intimacy with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The risen Jesus is right here with us right now. We can do nothing without his presence, friends. My experience, my techniques, my degrees, my programs, my strategies are nothing without the presence of Jesus. Yeah. Luke's version of the Great Commission ends with this command. 
Wait for the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. He will come upon you and abide within you as a community. And in his power, you will go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem and across those barriers in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But don't do this alone. So as a recap, the Great Commission provides us with the what, the why, and the how of our mission as a band of Jesus followers here. The what is we are to make apprentices of Jesus, King Jesus. The why is because Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And the how is we make disciples the way Jesus made disciples, in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Notice all the alls in this passage. Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them all the way in, <laughs> in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always. Oh my gosh, one, two, three, four. That, there's a lot of, you know when the Bible repeats a word, it's kind of important. Friends, this is the mission of King Jesus. He's summoning all of us to follow him in all of our lives, to join in his resurrection work in all of our world, even across those barriers, and trusting that he's with us in all our ways. That's why we're here. That's why the church is still on this planet, friends. Are you all in? That was not really. <laughs> Are you all in? Yes. Friends, I just believe we're, we're in the middle of a cultural crisis like I've never seen in my short 64 years. In the West and in our country, it's in times of crisis. Historically, I love to study history, where King Jesus does some of his best work. Study history but I don't want to miss it by building my own kingdom, missing his kingdom. You see, I think the greatest threat in our country is fans who call themselves Christians but aren't actually interested in following Jesus. They want him as savior, but not as king. They want to be close enough to get the benefits, but not so close that it requires a radical reorientation of their lives. As my mentor said, Dallas Willard said, the greatest issue facing the world today with all its heartbreaking needs is whether those who profess to be Christians will become disciples, students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of the heavens into every corner of their existence. Would you pray with me? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you, King Jesus. I, therefore, give you authority in my life. Can you say that with me? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you, King Jesus. I, therefore, give you authority in my life, in my schedule, finances, 
priorities. priorities. Fill in the blank. Lord Jesus, I bring it all under the rule of your liberating love. I choose to close the gap between the sacred and the secular parts of my life, between my knowing and doing. I thank you for giving each of us a part of your great mission, your epic mission of restoration in this lost world. Thank you that your work, that you work through flawed followers like Simon Peter, which means you can work through me. I choose to be all in with you, King Jesus, to hold nothing back. I want to align my life with your mission. I will no longer disqualify myself. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for your presence and power. Fill us now. Would you just open your hands and say, come Holy Spirit. You are the missionary of the, the Trinity. You take flawed followers like us and you send us out to bring hope and new creation. Thank you that I am not alone. Thank you, triune God, for adopting me into your communion of love and into your church where I belong. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Let's worship, let's worship. I want to feel your presence on me. world that you so love. We want to go where you go. You're already going into broken places. Give us eyes to see people through your eyes. See our world through your eyes. See what you see. Forgive us for our blinders. And we want to love the way you love. Your sacrificial, self-giving love, letting go of outcomes, just giving. Pray for kingdom stories this week coming out of the ordinary mundane corners of our lives. We pray this in the strong and beautiful name of Jesus, who is risen. Indeed, amen. Please allow us to stand with you in prayer. Come forward, we'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to connect with some friends and unpack this sermon across the street, we have what's called table talk. It happens in the patio. And it's an amazing chance to say, oh, I got some questions about that one. Uh, so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and give you shalom. Amen. Pastor Paul Dugan is the pastor of Mission and Discipleship at Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.